Hey, how y'all doing? Back again with another episode of The It Factor. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Robinson, and today we got somebody special. Go ahead and introduce yourself, brother. Man, my name is Courtney McLean. I've been known in the fortune world as Matt Woods. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your, on your podcast, man. Uh, I saw the other <laughs> elites that you have on here, so hopefully I won't bore <laughs> you and your audience too much. <laughs> nah, man, never that, never that, man. Ain't nobody... I don't believe that nobody bored unless they bored, if they think they're bored or something. <laughs> that part. That part. <laughs> so, wait a minute, how are you doing physically, mentally, and emotionally? Man, um, blessed. Uh, when it comes to, you know, we still living in a pandemic. Yes. Now we got this whole monkey box. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, I, I've had a couple loved ones that we lost COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seeing family. Uh, family deal with friends and then close friends uh, dealing with the pandemic. So, you know, me, for the most part, me and mine's are real good. So I can't be mad at that at all. Uh, you know, God is good. Physical, uh, you know, physical man, uh, been in the house too long with the kids. So, so, <laughs> so, so man, I, you know, getting these, trying to get these little love handles off of me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, I can't stay away from the snacks, man. Yeah, my wife is really on my head about uh, <laughs> eating snacks because I stay up real late writing and studying and, and stuff like that. And so up late, I start getting into the pantry, man. Uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, ain't nothing good in there except uh, all the snacks and little Debbie cakes and stuff my kids eat. You yeah. know, so you, and you don't try to deprive them. So we keep buying them. Mm-hmm. I keep eating them at night time. <laughs> I can understand it, man. Ain't no wrong with that, you know. Hey, you know, all in moderation, I guess. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mental, <laughs> mental's good, man. We uh, we just we just moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, from mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. And Tulsa's nice, man. Tulsa's green, and now you know North Tulsa been on uh, first forty eight a few times, so you know they got their issues. You know what I'm saying? But but I came down here to specifically help in the Greenwood, uh, North Tulsa area, you know, um, you know, a whole, a whole Tulsa race massacre um, uh, following with uh, uprooting Greenwood and tapping into black resources and such. So out here doing community outreach, uh, um, uh, making sure that I'm intentional with what I want to do when it comes to young uh, youth professional development surrounding minorities, uh, primarily black folks. Right. Uh, so, you know, I'm right here in the heart of where I need to be. So it feels good. Yeah, I respect that, man. That's good. That's good. Now, like you said, it is good for your mental health too. Definitely help other people, you know. Definitely this show helped me as well, as you asked when we started, man. It helps me to kind of separate, you know, oh, damn, I'm doing something to help somebody, man, you know, get somebody somewhere else. So in that, I would say, you know, um, what led you to want to be an adjunct professor, man? Because that's something I want to do. And what yeah. I'm working to do, so definitely. Yeah. The man, the key thing was I was depressed in corporate America, uh, like like depressed and did and didn't even know it. And, you know, as black men, we we are basically trained to work as machines. Right. So so you you go to work, you uh, you dedicate yourself to um, uh, providing for your family. Mm-hmm. And then in the mindset, you're like, OK, this is going to lead to eventually somewhere where I'll have. Uh, fruition of all of my my work and then I'll have I'll be in a space where I can get some gratification from all this work and all these years I can put in 
man, um, you know, over 15 years in corporate America, and I was not gratified. And when I looked up and really saw how I was operating, mm-hmm. I, I recognized I was depressed. Man. I was depressed. And and I had an aha moment. Um, in, the, in, in corporate America, uh, I had a team lead. The team lead said one day, you know, Courtney, I, I've been working here for 25 years, and I have to say, I hate my job. Mm. And that just blew my mind because at that time I had only been with that company for five years and I hated it. So, so for him to say 25, uh, he is stuck with it because he had an ex-wife and he had a whole bunch of grandkids. He basically there to pay bills. You know, I said, nah, I can't live like that. So um, shout out to Dr. E.T. Thomas. Mm-hmm. You know, I started really digging into his, um, um, his podcast and and his YouTubes and and one thing that he said was you have to find something you love, mm-hmm. become excellent at it, and you will be and and the money will come. So I had to figure out what I enjoy doing, mm-hmm. and I was already doing years of community outreach. I was already speaking at conferences and summits and doing these things, but I had never thought about um, getting paid for it. Honestly, I had never thought about getting paid for it. And I was like, well, damn, he's doing something he loved as in motivational speaking. He found out a lane and a, and a way to monetize his passion. And we have to monetize our passions, man. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that has been such an eye opener for me when I start thinking like that and thinking of my passion as a business as well. Uh, that was an eye opener for me. So then I started doing more summits, more conferences to the point where people that saw me, educators that saw me in these spaces, thought that's what I did full time. Wow. And so that they began to hire me and paying me. Um, but I but I will say a lot of me getting in some of those doors was because I had the name from the corporate America. Mm-hmm. And and when I was getting in these spaces though. I would find ways to use my other passions like youth professional development and speaking to to youth is a passion of mine, but poetry is also a major passion of mine. So when I would go into these spaces, I would always start off my talk or my workshop with a poem. Mm -hmm. And then I would break my poem down because I have a curriculum tied into my poem surrounding uh, minorities and self-actualization and self-identity and self-love. So I would spit the poem, take quotes from the poem and tie it uh, uh, to self-identity theory by Henry, Henry Tajfell. And um, and when people saw that I could create curriculums with it and how I was breaking it down, I began to be booked even more often in the educational spaces. And like I said, to the point where they thought that's what I did. Oh, man. Yeah. And then that, and then and then I end up being hired by University of Central Oklahoma mm-hmm. as an adjunct professor um, 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 over the Black Male Initiative, which focuses on incoming Black men that are freshmen, and um, and you, uh, you, uh, we 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 had an opportunity to create our own curriculum um, that was based around their experiences and our history, and then that spurred off into my opportunity to work for Oklahoma University, in which. I was an adjunct professor and became the director of diversity and inclusion for the business college. Mm-hmm. So it really all began because I was depressed in corporate America and needed to find an outlet, which was everything I was already doing. I just needed to understand that I can monetize. 
That's amazing, man. And I think that to take that step out, uh, I was just having a conversation about it early because, you know, outside of this, you know, I'm a software engineer. Yeah. And uh, we was talking and I was saying, my boy was like, man, bro, you know, I think I'm stressed, man, you know, about work. This song, so I've been here this many years, man. And basically what you said, he was just like, I got to do something else. He's like, you about to be teaching, bro, da, da, da. What you think I should do? I said, bro, you got to find out what you love to do, man. You know, I, I, I'm about to teach, but I also have a podcast. I have stuff that take me away, take my mind away from, oh, damn, working from seven to three. I don't even work a nine to five. Working yeah, from yeah. Seven to three, you know, but just even thinking about certain things that happen throughout the workday, he's like, yeah, I ain't doing this forever, man. <laughs> yeah. You think you have to. You think you have to. You know, you think yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. Like, that's the way it's supposed to be, but really don't. So the and that's the, and like, that's the trick. That's the trick, and 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 that's the and, and we have to tap into um, understanding that we saw our parents doing that, right? But you know, everybody has to. You know, it's not it's nothing wrong with somebody working for somebody. You know, you know all these all these jobs they have to be filled. But at the same time, I used to watch my mother work uh, two jobs, mm-hmm. and she hated them. And I said, I can't live like that because it spurs off into your family. Yeah. You know, you 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 come home, you have animosity built up, you take it out on your spouse, you take it out on your kids, and then you're bringing that bad energy into your home. And I'd be damned if I was going to bring that bad energy into my house. Yes, you know what I'm saying? You, you you have to understand that that even if you do work that nine to five or that seven to three, uh-huh. you know, you can uh, uh, you can fund your dream with the day job. Sir. And, and I had to start thinking like that. I, I'm gonna fund my dream until my dream can pay all the bills. So with you on that. I like that, man. I like that way of thinking. And that's amazing that we brought that up, bro. Cause I definitely always think about that. I'm like, dang, I'm glad I do this. Everybody asks, like, how you been us all that? I'm like, this is my dream and this is what I yeah. want to do, and it's gonna make me money, and we're gonna be good. Even, even when you're tired, man, when you're doing something that's gratifying, mm-hmm. it's like it's a I call it a good tired. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a good tire because you know when you wore out working for somebody else or your day job, and you wore out, you just feel defeated. But when you're doing your podcast, when you're doing something you love, when I'm out doing poetry shows, and I'm tired at the end of the night, that's a good tired though because it's gratifying. You know, yeah. it's that gratification that we all need to feel from from our day to day. Because when you don't, man, you're just out here operating, right? Whole machine out here. Yep. <laughs> and I would say, man, what is your ear factor, man? Why you do what you do? Um, I'll say that uh, one of my poems, I say, um, uh, I do what I do. I found my why because I'm chasing after the ghosts of the educators that I never had. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to being a mentor, when it comes to being an educator, to being a black man out here setting an example, um, that's what I always want to be. I always want to be the, the, the mentor I never had. And so, you know, you know, us coming up, you know, I'm seeing Charles Barkley, I'm seeing Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, all of these people that we looked up to in primarily because I was real big on watching the NBA, you know. Uh, so seeing AI and, you know, Kobe, RIP to the great, I'm seeing all of these black men say they don't want to be, uh, they, they, they don't want to be mentors. They don't want to be, role models and i was like that's irresponsible as hell man you you may not want to be a role model but as a black man on tv 
in the public eye, you have to understand you have other little black boys looking up to you. Right. And so, so entertainer or not, role model, you don't want to be, you have to accept that. I, I just feel, I feel like it's irresponsible for you not to accept it. Uh, so that's something that was always on my heart, even as a young, young kid, you know, watching the NBA uh, with a close eye, mm-hmm. all of these black men saying they didn't want to be role models, but you're in the public eye. You know what I'm saying? So I, I so that's one, that's one key of it. I, I want to be uh, the black male example for another little boy who don't have one. Mm-hmm. And, and now that I have little girls, I want to be an example of a man uh, at a high standard. So no little chump can come to my, come to any of my little, my young Queens uh-huh. half stepping because I've set a great example for them. And hopefully within that, um, I'll be able to create a legacy within my passions as well. And when I say a legacy, I'm not talking about, you know, you know, I mean, not even, I mean, no disrespect to the greats, Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King, but, you know, they died poor, you know, they died broke. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to go out like that. I don't want to be someone that's revered uh, so highly um, for, for just my intellect, for right. just my passion, for just my service. I want to leave some monetary too. Mm-hmm. I want to leave land. I want to leave um, a mass amount of property and assets. Uh, all of that I want to leave to my children as well as he was a good man. He served his community. Uh, when he left, a mantra I, I always use is I want to use up all the gifts that God has given me before he takes me away. I want to give it all back. But I also want to leave money. <laughs> I want to leave assets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not, uh, you know, it reminds me of uh, the college dropout skits where he's like, you know, my dad didn't leave me any money, but he left me all his degrees. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nah, man, that's not, that's not how my mind. So, so even in workshops, I, you know, I'll be in workshops, I'll be in high school workshops. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> And I give the kids some stuff they've never heard because it'd be, it, you know, it'd be multiple people uh, presenting to them. I'd be the first one in there to say, get the bag. <laughs> I'm a get the bag. <laughs> yes. Get the bag. Because, I mean, think about it. Like all of us, most of us, we didn't learn any financial literacy from our parents. Most likely. Right. And if you learn anything about credit, it's because you probably messed yours up and had to learn how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that understanding is I want to give my kids a leg up. And a lot of the, 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 the peers, the white peers that I saw in college, they didn't have to work while they were going to school. They, dro- they drove luxury vehicles. Mm-hmm. Only time they, they worked is maybe an internship. And then their parents had enough connections that was able to get them in opportunities and doors as soon as they graduated. Right. Why can't we do that? Like, like, like we, we, um, I say, I say some stuff that, that pisses black folk off sometimes about uh, religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came to this country and assimilated to religion very quickly and, and profoundly because of slavery. But we've assimilated those re, uh, religion type um, celebrations and Americanized um, um, holidays and all that, but we really didn't tap into what they're doing financially. Mm-hmm. 
If you pay attention, white folks are showing us what they've been doing for years and years now. Yes, they had 500 years of a cheat code with slavery. <laughs> Definitely. Free labor is a mug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but 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 how to how to teach your kids early about investments right. and savings and how to understand uh, sleep money mm-hmm. and how to how you how your money can work for you. All of those things they're teaching, they're teaching their white children that early. Like I remember specifically as a kid asking my mother financial questions and she would get an attitude with me. You know, I'd ask her, you know, I was being nosy. I asked her how much she makes a year mm-hmm. and she damn near slapped me because, because what? That's none of your damn business. <laughs> I pay the bills on her, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but what, what, what one of my mentors, older white guy, uh, been running financial uh, financial investment uh, company for like three decades. Mm-hmm. Lots of money, uh, lots of investments and assets. He said he was teaching his kids about savings when they were like five. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, by the time they were preteens, he sat them down and understood how he's paying his bills and how he um, um, uh, uh, the, the funding accolations, uh, how how he's how he's um, putting this money on this bill and and how uh, the savings might be taking care of this and how he's putting CDs on this particular funding and how he doesn't touch this until it expires and he rolls it over to more CDs to get more interest rates. Like he he said, he, he explained that to his kids before they were even teenagers, Ooh. you know, so it's, I mean, we can start, we can start early, especially our, you know, our age group, we know better, mm-hmm. you know, we've learned. So now we got, we have to make sure we're pouring into the next generation, our kids, um, the, the youth that we're around doing community service. So whatever youth we come in contact with, it's our responsibility now to make sure they have the leg up. So you're right about that. You're right about it. And that leads into my next question, man. So why is it important for you as a black man to be a family man like yourself? You have your daughters, you have your, your wife. Uh, how did you get into those roles? And like, why was that important for you? Um, it kind of it goes back to uh, wanting to be the educator that I never had, wanting to be the mentor that I never had. Didn't have, my father wasn't in my, uh, in my life, mm. you know? Lived 15 minutes away. Same, brother. Same. Lived 15 minutes away, was in my life. I probably was around him for maybe a handful of times, like maybe six times. <laughs> and 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 just because my kids were asking, I just took them to meet him mm-hmm. uh, a couple months ago. Wow. Because because he because my man, like just one day, my youngest, she she uh, she knows my father in law very well. My father in law is very active. In my in my children's life, mm-hmm. and one day she asked, um, "I know Papito, so you know uh, my my father in law is Mexican, mm-hmm. and uh, she said, you know, I know Papito, but do you have a daddy?" She asked me just like that, "Do you have a daddy?" Oh, wow! And I said, "Cause it caught me off guard." <laughs> <laughs> she said, "I say, yeah, yeah, I have a daddy." Well, she said, "Well, I need to meet him." Mm-hmm. I said, "Damn." <laughs> wow. because because you know any type of animosity that i might have which i never felt like i had animosity 
saying I, re- I really never felt like I was mad at him. You know, I at an early age, I kind of accepted that my mom and him was just messing around. They was just kicking it, <laughs> you know, and he rolled a stone anyway. I got like six, I got six half brothers and one sister. Mm. So, you know, he a roll of stone anyway. I just took it on some player shit, honestly. I was like, right. but you know, who who's not gonna be there for their kids? But I, 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 you know, as a as a father now, I see it like that. Like, why wouldn't you be there for your kid? But growing up, I really don't feel like I had any, any animosity to him. But but one thing that I start recognizing is, I want to be a great father. I want to be a great husband because my father is none of that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, nigga, I know you see me from afar, so. killing, killing everything I'm doing. Take that shit. Because <laughs> I, I, I develop becoming this person without you. Mm-hmm. You know, but but you know, you have to you have to come into a, a greater understanding when you start thinking like that, when you never thought that you had any animosity against them at all, but you have to accept it got it gotta be some animosity there. Yeah, bro. You know, and <laughs> what's funny, man, why well, I love the show, bro. Uh, I have done so many episodes, man. So many men have had that same type of story. But, bro, uh, my dad, 15 minutes away, probably, like, walk to his house type shit. You can, you can walk there. And it wasn't until I got good in sports that he came around, things like that. Uh, oh, football star, okay, da-da-da-da-da, name the newspaper, whatever you say, right? Yeah. And it, it's not until now I'm about to get married next month. And Congratulations. Like, Thank you. It's not as a now that my wife was like, yeah, baby, uh, you never talk about your dad. This sounds like he just comes up a lot more. And it's like, you're not meeting him. I'm good. But it's like, <laughs> boy, like you don't need to meet him. It's like, yeah. I'm good. you don't need to meet him. It's not a reason. But I don't, I never felt like anger towards him. Yeah. I never like felt that way. My brother had, but I haven't, you know, my brother had more time with him, but I haven't felt that way. And I would say the reason why is, I think at a certain time, like you said, after a while, I was like, oh, forget it. So like, cool. Here's what it is. Uh, I had mentors. You know, I was blessed to have so many mentors, coaches, different people in my life, even yeah. to this day. You know, yeah. so just seeing that so many black men do that, just to see what you're doing now, that makes me like, dang, all right, we can do this. Good. Yeah. There they yeah. go. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, one thing that, that, you know, I was a creative, I was a creative imaginative um only child mm-hmm. so uh what i did was and i, I think i might have did this intentionally <laughs> i i took different pieces of different men i was around mm-hmm. you know i have four uncles i took different things that i saw in them not everything but i took different things that i i liked about them um some of my coaches took different things about them. So it was different black men that were around, but, but, you know, I think a lot of black men our age had this type of uh, experience. My experience was, and I don't mean to age you, I'm about to be 40. I don't know how old you about to be. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm about to be 28. So. Oh, oh well, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know, no, I know some old heads, man. So you, yeah. <laughs> You know, you but know, also, I would never known that if you didn't see it, because you know. Oh uh, well, yeah, brother, for a forty knocking on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I, I took pieces of their personalities and their attributes, and I and I and I made me honestly, yeah. you know, um, because you know uh, my favorite uncle, drug dealer, 
but he was it was very very family oriented, mm-hmm. right? Had another uncle, very focused on education, was a principal, he was a professor, mm-hmm. all of that. But when it came to family orientation, he wasn't that close to family. You know what I'm saying? So I'm taking pieces, the education, the family orientation. Um, um, one, one of my uncles, uh, may he rest in peace, mm-hmm. very, very fashionable. Now, it wasn't until I was a teenager when I recognized he was gay. <laughs> I thought I thought he just had a, a, a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> but always smelled good, always fresh, you know, dripped in gold, very dapper, um, you know, took that from him. You know what I'm saying? And 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 uh, had a had an uncle in law. Um, and he rest in peace. He he had a very masculine uh, a bravado about him. You know what I'm saying? And he was bald with a beard. You know what I'm saying? So like 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 gaining different things and attributes that I took from these men because it because you know a lot of us in in our generation we have black men that are around us and they are uh, a reflection of you know what we could be and we don't and they they don't even know they're affecting us like that. A lot, a lot of black men in, in the generation before us, they, they, a lot of them didn't sit us down and explain to us how a man is supposed to be in such and such. They would say it on the sly. Yeah. They would like, like my uncle, he would walk past me and like, you know, maybe punch me in the chest and be like, "Hey, boy, uh, um, uh, walk, walk straight. Put your, uh, put your chin up." Like he would give lessons, probably without even understanding he was giving me game. Right. Yeah. Because at the end of the day. Black men, you know, before us, before our generation, they just trying to make it. They're just they're being black in America, and they're and and they have that the pressures of being black in America, trying to take care of their family. They don't have a lot of them didn't have the foresight to sit a sit a young a young black boy down and explain to him what it's like being black in America and what he needs to do to equip himself to navigate these waters. Right. You know, so a lot of us is just picking that shit. And we didn't even, and some of us don't even know is that it's 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 deliberate, but it's subconscious that we're picking different attributes from these men that we grew up around uh, to uh, to to assess and then combine and become who we are today. You know, I could probably list like at least ten men that I've stole something from when it comes to what I've become today. <laughs> I, I respect that, bro, and I definitely respect the conversation because it really gets you to thinking about some of the things that we go through now and I'm thankful to have someone like yourself, even like me now, just seeing how I have matriculated and just like, dang, bro, I really did take pieces from a lot of people knowing the bad, the good is like, ah, not good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And now, man, before we do close out, man, I will say, you know, um, what is something you would like to see change in the world? Um, This might be, a, this might be micro level mm-hmm. but it's i don't know it's, it's, it's very important for me um financial literacy we, we we have to start being uh very conscious of of, of how we move independently without the white man mm-hmm. but to also understand that we can go into rooms with our counterparts do business with our counterparts and still come out owning what we need to own and and not giving up our total selves 
in conjunction with anything. Like, like even when it comes to gentrification, we can take hold of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, uh, um, uh, becoming part to cohorts, paying our damn taxes, coming coming together and making sure that that Big Mama's um, a house does not get sold because we we kept up with the taxes and we kept and we <laughs> and we went down uh, to city hall and make sure that all the things that are getting approved are at least some of them are in our favor when it comes to land ownership. Like being able to understand assets and ownership and financial literacy is something that I really wish um, that we would really take hold on when it when it comes to uh, being black and being in this country because you know. We're not we're not going to Africa, you know. <laughs> we're, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it all day, but we're not moving to Africa uh, for some type of uh, grand Garveyism. That's not happening. We're gonna be here, and to be here and to continue and and to improve thriving in this country. Uh, everybody talks about one revolution. The revolution is gonna come from financial leaders. Yes, sir. I'm with you on that, man. I'm with you on that. Do you have any questions for me? Um, what has been something that you, that, that you would say that you gained the most from interviewing all the people you've interviewed, like to, to come across all of these different personalities and professions and characters? Uh, I gained a sense of to keep going. Uh, what I'm doing is beneficial and needed yeah. in the world because you watch so many people do podcasts. Like I watch a lot of podcasts, big name people, all type of people. Like they send it to me or I probably interviewed them or something like that. And the one thing that sets me apart is I interview everybody. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if you're a super big athlete or you just a regular person out here in these streets digging yeah. down. You know, because I want people to be able to see that black people do everything. We're more than just that one thing you see, just because you see it. You know, and it helps me to also say every time I want to give up on it, bro, it'd be like, like today, I cut grass, did a lot of stuff. And I was sitting here, like we said earlier, I was like, I love to do this, though. Good. I'm about to go interview. <laughs> you know, I feel good. every. I feel liberated every time I do. Yeah. I, I, love, I love to hear that, man, because I, I can tell you have a job job. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? You're not out here on no starving artist shit. You have a job job, but at the same time, man, you've you found yourself an outlet, man. And I love I love to see that because I just know how I was depressed. Mm-hmm. So I love seeing black men. And I and I specifically speak about black men because we do work as machines. Right. We keep going and we keep going. We try to take care of everybody else without like, you know, a lot of people talk about Big Mama taking care of everybody, but nobody really talks about how um uh, Papa. Mm-hmm. came home gave his check gave his check to big mama and sat in that chair and just wanted to be left alone because one he couldn't control anything on the outside and down there in the inside it was the it was all about the matriarch yes, so you know every you know my big mama's praised on mother's day father's day you get you get a you get a you get a whack ass tie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, get, you get socks. You know what I'm saying? So the appreciation, the appreciation for for a black man and and seeking his outlet, getting the gratification, man. I just want to give you props on that, man. Thank you, brother, man. I look forward to talking to you, man. Anytime you need something, man, let me know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Love to see more more of you, man. Definitely gonna need some help with you about this adjunct stuff, bro. Because I. I have my master's in what, September, so 
Yeah. Oh, you got all the stuff coming, man. You getting married? You about to get your yeah, masters? Man, we up here. We making it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up, bro. No, that's what's up, man. Anything you need from me, man? Just hey, I'm just phone call away, bro. All right, then, brother. Well, I'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. All right, no problem. Anytime. Right. Peace.